Hi, my name is Dean Simmons, and I'm in the fourth grade at Winfield Street Elementary School in Corning, New York. I'm in my second year as a member of the staff of the Down Under Yearbook at Winfield. Our staff is working on its fourth yearbook and is made up of 11 fourth and fifth graders mentored by six high school students from our high school. On today's episode of the Yearbook Wise podcast, we hear from one of JEA's 1996 Yearbook Advisors of the Year, Paul Ender. Paul advised at Independence High School in California, and my dad says that Paul and his staff won every yearbook and advising award there is. He's really, 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 really good at yearbook, and he's still teaching all over the country at workshops, conventions, and camps. Okay, here's the host of the Yearbook Wise podcast, my dad, Mike Simmons. Hey friends, it's good to be back with you again. Uh, We just got back from the National High School Journalism Convention in San Francisco last weekend and made it through the final week of classes before spring break here in upstate New York. There was snow on the ground this morning. I checked my watch, it really is April 20th and you can't quite tell it yet, but uh, I hope it's a little bit warmer where you are. As you heard Dean say in the intro, we're gonna visit today with Paul Ender of Independence High School in California. Paul still makes his home in California, but travels the country uh, advising and working as a special consultant for Herf Jones. And it's in that capacity that Paul and I first met back in 2004 at a workshop in Delaware. Paul is a one-it-all, done-it-all, and an absolutely phenomenal resource for all things design and great storytelling in your book. And I I think you're going to find this conversation uh, really, really interesting. It's the second in a series that I'm going to continue to produce, uh, talking with all of the past Yearbook Advisor of the Year award winners from JEA. In the next day or so, you're going to see a conversation that I had with Nancy Hastings, who was another 1996 honoree uh, with the JEA award. I think you'll enjoy that conversation as well. I hope you enjoy this conversation that I had with Paul. It all starts back in Arizona when Paul was coming out of high school, right around the time of the Vietnam War. I I wanted to start, Paul, by um, really jumping in the time machine and and going back a ways. Um, I don't know if you remember, but to my recollection, I think you and I met in 2004 um, at a workshop in Delaware. And um, I, I wouldn't at all expect you to remember, but I remember very clearly people saying, oh, it's Paul Ender, Paul Ender, you've, you've got to meet him. He can help you and your staff and, and we'll, we'll catch up to time uh, later in this conversation. But going way past 2004, uh, back in time, when was your first, wh- where were your first steps into the, to the yearbook world? Uh, by the back door. Uh, let, let me just start to say, as a junior in high school, I realized I wanted to be a teacher. And that wasn't what my parents' expectations were of me. I was, they pushed me to take over my dad's business that I had absolutely no interest in. And to be able to go to college and become a teacher, I had to work for my dad for three years to say, 
that if I still had this stupid idea of being a teacher, um, he would pay for my college education. And what was the business? Uh, trucking business. Okay, in California? Uh, in Arizona, actually. Okay, okay thank you. And, um, and so, or I could, right out of high school, I could go to college and be completely on my own and work. And I wasn't dumb. I said, I can work for three years like I'm working to go to college. And I could, you know, and my dad was true to his word. And I went to college and majored and started with a U.S. history major. And then I minored in art history. And that led me to having to take three lab classes in art. And one of those was design. And I fell in love with it. And so I changed my, I added art as a double major, which required me to go, and this is all during the v Vietnam War, and the draft was breathing down my throat. And um, so I had to go to summer school and take nine units every summer uh, in summer school, but I graduated on time. And luckily I got a high enough dra uh, draft number that I could go to my fifth year in California, it takes five years to be a teacher. Anyway, I got my first job teaching four periods of art and one period of uh, emerging nations. And I still don't know what that class was all about. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, it was kind of like a world history geometry, uh, geography class. Anyway, and at the end of my second year, the um, your book came out and it was a disaster, just a disaster. And in my district, the yearbook was in the art department because basically it was a photo book. Okay. And, um, and I knew since I was the brand new hire, that I probably would be teaching the yearbook next year. Sure enough, the day after the yearbook came out, the principal stepped into my uh, first period class and said, Paul, I want to see you at lunchtime. And I said, I'll do it. And he said, I thought so. <laughs> Being my tenure year. And... Um, so that's how I backed in to the door of your book. Uh, luckily, I had already taken a lot of, well, I, I took photography classes and a lot of design classes. And I was already teaching. Uh, we had a one full-time teacher in photography, but the program was growing so fast. I was teaching a couple of extra periods of uh, photography too. So I kind of had a little bit of background, but uh, 
nothing in your book, but I'd already been taught grids in college. And so that's what I started designing, you know, and teaching my kids to design. And I mean, almost off the bat, I felt like this is a pretty cool class. It was unlike any other class I taught. And I liked it right away. Um, of course, I didn't know all the pitfalls that were coming that year, being my first year and stuff. Um, but I, I made it through and my, um, and I just had great kids. I just, you know, I'm still friends with uh, some of those kids in my first year wow. class. Um, and um, this one's a hard one for me. My first photo editor, uh, his name was Jason Dahl, um, and became my the second editor of the second yearbook I taught um, was the captain of Flight 93. Wow. That, of of the, the plane that, um, and Jason had two loves. Uh, he loved photography and he loved flying. And um, we remained very close up until it obviously to his death um he helped me remodel my home he had a huge crush on my wife um anyway he was just this great human being and uh this is the first time i've been able to talk to him without crying and right. uh, anyway what a gift to have him in your life. Yeah, I know. It was really special. And um, the sad, I don't know, this has nothing to do with the yearbook, but sure. it was really sad that he took this flight as a favor. Hmm. What he, he was the one of the pilots that trained other pilots and would fly as the observer, you know, yes. to rate uh, pilots and stuff. And a friend of him asked to take this flight for him that cost him his life. Yeah. Anyway, let's go so, on to the year happier. <laughs> let's, well, let's, let's, set the, um, let's set the timing. I, I know that you understand this is uh, going to be part of a series of conversations yes. with former Yearbook Advisors of the Year. We spoke with H.L. Hall a few weeks ago. Um, when was it that you had Jason on your staff for when he was a junior? Uh, that was 1972. Okay. And you oh, were all- Oh, excuse me, 73. Okay. And you were already, well, I want to- I was I wanna, my third year of teaching. Right. Um, this idea of coming into a program where uh, the other advisor has you know, either moved on or been removed from the program is a very common theme. It's a question 
I know that you field a lot and you're continuing to work in kind of your second career consulting with Herf Jones. You and I have both met advisors who are kind of thrust into this. So can you tell me a little bit about that uh, that that change of, of path for you and, and what that first year was like? Did you go in saying, I recognize everything that's wrong with this book and here's what we're going to do to fix it? Or was it a, a really steep learning curve somewhere in between? How did that transition go for you? It was somewhat of a learning curve, um, but I, di- I never felt like it was thrust upon me. Okay. I was actually very glad to do it. And like I said, almost from the start, I really liked the kids and how we interacted. And they knew I was fresh off the boat, so so to speak. And a couple of them were on the disaster year book and really wanted to do it right. Right. And, um, so that helped a lot too. I, the, I, it wasn't like the kids were against me. I, they accepted right. me very, very quickly. The returning kids. When did you, 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 you explained that conversation with your principal where you said, yep, I'll do it. I'll take it. How far into your journey with your book did, did it really hit you that this was your thing? Oh, it didn't take me very long at all to okay. learn about. I liked it. Uh, I didn't know what I was doing, but I was doing what uh, there were 10 high schools in my high school district. Wow. And not one of the books were journalistic. Mm-hmm. And like I said, they were v- basically a photo project. Um, Anne used to kid me when she f- saw my early books. This is uh, Ann Akers? Ann Akers, okay. yes. She said, Paul produced beautiful coffee table books. <laughs> <laughs> because, I mean, I taught my kids some design and layout. I had that background. I understood what a theme was uh, because of the graphic design background, I what little graphic design background I had. So those things came naturally. The coverage things I had to learn, and obviously there was no writing. And if the kids wanted to write a caption, they wrote a caption. If they wanted to write a little blurb or something, they did it. But it wasn't anything I taught. Right. At what point was there a, a watershed moment or a, an evolution in your instruction or in okay. the... Yeah. So, first of all, I mean, the, there's a little backstory to that one, too. So, anyway, because my books looked really good... When this new uh, huge mega school was going to open, that were, was going to have four thousand to forty-five hundred kids in it eventually, and the superintendent of the school district got his doctorate on planning this brand new high school called an educational park, and it took the th- a place of three 
high schools in my district, one of which would have been serving totally the country club kids, the kids that lived in the hills, a blue collar neighborhood, and then a very mixed ethnic, ethnic neighborhood that was very low income. And to mix those populations. And I got picked to go to that school by then. He went around and basically raped the other 10 high schools to make this place work. It was such an amazing place because literally he took good teachers from every school in the district so this place would function the way he wanted it to function. Right. And forgive me, was this Independence? And this was Independence. Okay. Yes. Independence High School. And it was the, uh, was it, what was the name of the book? The American? The American. Very good. When did the doors open there? Uh, 1976. Okay. All right. We were the 76ers. Our address was 1776 Educational Park Way. Got it. Our phone number ended in 1776. Wow, it was all over the... Talk about brand. You guys were... You stayed on message. The Sixers. (laughs) So is it with the opening of Independence that 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 propelled you into an evolution of what a yearbook could be and what coverage looked like? Not quite yet. Okay. Okay, so I was doing the books that I I had been doing. And then in 1986, I believe, it could have been 85, a new herf rep walked into, because we sold, you know, over 2,000 books every year, um... It was the biggest account in the in the South Bay, maybe even in the uh, Bay Area, and so I I heard, I got a lot of calls from reps and stuff, and I had primarily been printing with Justin's or back then Taylor, um, but now I. At my old school, I didn't get a choice of who I worked with. Right. But at this school, I got a choice to uh, who I got to work with. And um, anyway, the HERF rep, her name was Tenny Gardner, walked into my classroom and she brought three books with them, all journalistic books. I had never seen a journalistic yearbook. And actually one of those yearbooks was Sherry Taylor's yearbook from Texas. Now of Syracuse University. Yes, right. And anyway, I asked her, I looked at those and it really hit me. Wow. And I asked her to take, uh, I took two of them home. So... And um, I read them, and I, I, and then I just I felt so bad 
I realized I wasn't doing my job. Wow. And I, I, I actually teared up. Uh, I thought, my God, I'm shortchanging my kids. As an educator, I, I just felt like I was the worst teacher in the world. And because, well, I didn't know what I didn't know. And they, and the other company certainly didn't offer any help, um, or showing me what was available to me. Okay. I called her the very back the very next day and says, bring me a contract. And I signed with her and my whole yearbook experience turned around for there. She explained to me when, you know, when we were talking, um, because I asked her about, you know, I'm not an English teacher. I, you know, I felt lucky to get through college English, let alone teach writing to kids and stuff. Right. And she said, well, there are workshops you can go to. There are conventions you can go to. And I, I had no idea that was all available to me. And um, anyway, my second book with her won a pacemaker. Wow. So I was going to ask you how long it took after the epiphany. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't I mean, waste any well, time. What was missing, everything was there except for the writing and the captions. Right. You know, the storytelling. And I, w I was fortunate when I showed the kid kids my, you know, these books, some of them got very excited about it. And some of them said, oh, I don't want to do all of that work. And it is so, work. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so what I did is the kids that thought this was the way we should go, I made, you know, the very first next year, we started working at it. And um, anyway, we went to camp that summer and um, my kids took, you know, did <clears throat> most of the kids that wanted to do the writing took writing classes at, uh, 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 it was called Yearbook. I even forgot it. <laughs> um, what it was called. It was in Santa Cruz, but it was your books at the beach or something like that. Not right. like Mimi's, but, um, but later Anne and Ray took over that camp. And uh, anyway, so. And that really that, set you on the trajectory. Yeah. And then the thing that really changed was at this camp, there was an advisor dinner. And just by the luck of the draw, I mean, and there were places, you know, names on the tables for where you were going to sit. Was that a very nice restaurant in Santa Cruz? And Ann Akers sat down across from me. 
and not knowing her at all and not knowing anybody <laughs> right. at all. And we exchanged probably three sentences and it was like an instant friendship. Right. And I mean, it, it was kind of amazing and magical all at the same time. And Anne was an advisor. She wasn't at the camp, but she knew so many people already uh, that were teaching at this camp um, that she came to the, she got invited to the advisor dinner and um and she was the advisor at St. Francis High School in um, the South Bay. And we started talking almost every day. And, um, and that's the real help that I got, too. And that um, relationship continues 30 years later. Yes, absolutely. And... Um, and we're still finishing each other's sentences. Absolutely. <laughs> Tell me a little bit. So this, uh, if I've been tracking with you right, we're talking approximately 88, 89 for camp yeah. and first pacemaker. Uh, right around then. Pacemaker was 88. Okay. Yeah. When did, when did things go digital for you or start to? Actually, they never quite went all the way digital for okay. me okay uh, because I retired in 2000 right um, the we use I mean we we started up with the computer almost immediately once I made that change because now we were having more to do with type and stuff. And back in those days, you only had a choice of maybe four fonts for the yearbook. And so we were resorting to um, rub off type for our headlines so we could use different fonts and different packaging. And this was type um, that was in, in black on the reverse side of a heavy piece of plastic, right? And you could bear down. Yes, on it. and okay. you burnished it off. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We drew blue lines to keep the, you know, the baseline the right way and stuff. And um, anyway, um, and then PageMaker came along. And so we started to submit just a laser copy of our layouts okay. with holes for the pictures. And um, it was called a program school's own type. And uh, so we basically did the typesetting on PageMaker. And you really got out of it right at the kind of the dawn of, of a full yeah. embrace of digital yeah. photography. Yeah, my last two yearbooks, we started using uh, digital photos in the yearbook too. Okay. In combination, but still most of it was done in the dark room. I had my own dark room. I, I mean, I had this wonderful, I had so much 
once we started winning national awards, uh, I had so much support from my administration. Mm-hmm. Um, Dr. Selro, my principal, um, said every educational reform we're talking about goes on in that yearbook classroom. Oh, wow. And um, so uh, when we actually got a, a three million, the school got a three ma- uh, million dollar uh, a, a grant grant. Yeah, I couldn't think of the word, you know, to update our electronics. He let me design a lab that I could go all digital in because we it was right on the cusp there. And I really wanted to be in um, a part of that little right. revolution. And, um, and having Adobe in your backyard and um, anyway, it was, and plus my other, I taught two periods of yearbook and three periods of graphic design back then. And my computers were constantly getting used. And uh, so anyway, I had this dream lab. All of it was ordered. And then Dr. Celero became an assistant superintendent and left the school. And a new principal came in and she decided that that $3 million would be better spent if we gave every classroom two computers. Oh, no. So it never came to pass. It never came to pass. Well, and I can't tell you probably over half of those computers, the boxes were never opened. Wow. Oh, that's a, that's a shame. It's, it strikes me though, that you mentioned his acknowledgement before he stepped up in administration that a yearbook lab, a publication lab, you know, by extension, we can certainly loop in our, our broadcast and newspaper friends. It, these spaces in which we work with students are so in so rich in experience and, and enriching oh. for I mean it goes well beyond learning how to interview and write a story yeah. I mean we're talking about collaboration and project management yeah. and it just checks all sorts of boxes to have him acknowledge that um, back in the 90s is, is just fantastic well I he was ahead of his time period as a, I always felt as an administrator um, because we were still, we were talking about all this learning across the curriculum. I right, mean, right. I, you know, um, my classroom, because my school was so unusual, we had three high separate high schools within the campus, uh, campus. They were called villas Okay. and it had its own principal its own library, its own core staff. And that's where the kids took their basic classes in. 
And then what ringed that villa system were all these beautiful um, elective units around it. We had the second largest theater in Santa Clara County. We had the only Olympic size um, swim swimming system and diving system with, you know, built to uh, Olympic standards. Right. Uh, our gym sat 7,000. Wow. What uh, an incredible place. It, it was. Our homemaking department had a restaurant uh, for colony training for kids. Right. And it was just an amazing place to work okay. and an amazing staff to work with. And and once I started writing, the uh, honors English teachers started sending me, recommending, take your book if you want to get your work published, good writers. And that really stepped up the program. And let that be a hot tip to all you listeners. If you're looking for great writers, you've got to yes. go to the English department. You want to get awesome designers. Think about going down to the art department for kids yeah. with great eyes. That's that's huge. Yeah. Paul, let me take you back just a little bit. You 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 got us through um, the kind of the dawn of journalistic books in your life. Do you remember a, a first moment when a student brought you a story or perhaps it's when you unboxed the books and spent some time and, and were thumbing through and, and caught a story that even today still sticks with you, that, that story in particular? Yeah. Um, we did a magazine, and I think that was in the 95 book that we covered kids um, in the magazine, kind of like a pre-dawn of People magazine. And, um, and it, it was a story. And I told the principal about this before we published it. And I got permission from this kid's parent that her parents made her have an abortion. Wow. And uh, it traumatized her um, because she felt like, I mean, and this was a Catholic family and that she wanted to have the child. Yeah. Wow. That one still sticks with me. Absolutely. You know, we, um, you know, I've got my, my four kids at home. You've seen the pictures on yes. Facebook and they, they, and you've got kids and grandkids of your own. They talk about, um, not having your favorites. Uh, I think the rules might apply a little bit differently in our shared universe in your book. Is there a, a book that really to this day still stands out to you? Well, there's probably I have to talk about three. Please tell us. Okay. So the we're in book, which I believe was 1990. I think so. It was my first crown and pacemaker book. Excellent. And, um, 
it it was you know it was one of those surprise ending books that it it <clears throat> it ended up being we're independents at the back of the book okay. and but it was kind of a little bit almost on the concept side of it didn't it still had traditional sections but it all had something to do with being involved and um and that Anne says that's the one that that probably catapulted my program to really taking national notice. Because it was working on multiple levels. Yeah. And the book I'm most proud of was my first uh, concept book called Independence High School. And it was a three-section book before school, during school, and after school. Okay. And when I sent it in for judging, CSPA didn't get it. Mm, okay. Ahead of its time. And, huh? <laughs> it was, it yeah. was maybe ahead of its and time. She, you know, she carefully redid the ladder for me. No, no, no. The, the coverage of homecoming belongs in a student life section. Right. You have it in two sections. You know, the homecoming rally and stuff during school and then the game and dance afterward. Anyway. And um, anyway, um, it was the book only won a pacemaker. It actually, I know for a fact, won a gold crown also. Um, Sherry Taylor was the judge that year. And back in 90, well, yeah, would have been 95, we went to the Princeton Club on Friday nights for the Gold Key Awards. And as I was walking into the room for dinner and the awards sherry congratulated me on my gold crown and i said we didn't win a gold crown and i had kids there um i said my kids were really disappointed and she was furious she says your book got a gold crown and i'm i won't name the person Sure. but was the chair of judging and she thought the book was too innovative for people to redo and everybody was going to do a bad job of that afterwards. Right. And thankfully, it would seem that we're very much in a place now where that kind of innovation and creativity yeah. is really being yeah. lifted up. Yeah. And my last little book here yeah. would have been the 97 book. Um, a few years before that, Anne uh, had the accounts of 
two of our feeder middle schools that fed into my program. And she had transitioned and, away from advising by this time. Yes, she okay. was now my rep. Okay. And um, that happened in 1990. Okay. And um, anyway... She brought this seventh grader in to me to meet. Uh, her name was Tao Tran. And she said, she's going to be your 80 uh, editor uh, for your 97 book. Well, she was the most amazing kid I ever taught. Um, She was student body president. She came to this country not speaking a word of English okay. from Vietnam. Came from a, a fairly well-to-do uh, uh, family in Vietnam. Um, anyway, uh, she learned English very quickly. She um, was... Uh, third in her class at Independence High School, student body president, uh, had a Girl Scout troop, had a job, and editor of the yearbook. Wow. And, uh, and she was amazing. She got hired by Goldman Sachs. She went to Yale and got hired by um, Goldman Sachs in... Um, Right out, uh, she went on an internship during the summer of her junior, between her junior and senior year, and they hired her before her internship was out. She later um, left Goldman Sachs and went to get her MBA at Stanford, then got hired by the New York Post as their acquisition manager. She bought radio stations and television stations around the country. And now she's a vice president at Google, the highest level of off-campus hire that Google ever did. Wow. Yeah, she's just an amazing, I've had such amazing kids. Um, it just, yes. And they I stay have. with you. Huh? Yeah. They, sorry, they yeah. stay with you. Um, yes. When you transitioned out of the classroom, um, you entered, is, is it too much to say that it, the, the consultancy has been a, a second career for you? Oh, yeah. Um, I, I, when I retired, I still had some yearbooks in me. Right. Um. Part of the reason is I got no support anymore. And um, it's hard to be a yearbook advisor. You know, I was on the board of Columbia, my old principal, anytime I'd get, you know, hired, he'd pick up my sub pay because he, I, he felt I was out representing not only the school, but the school district. Right. And, um, anyway, my new principal didn't believe in that. And so every time I needed to go someplace or go to Columbia for, you know, a board meeting, 
I used to have to do it as sick days. And did that lack of support inform your enthusiasm for working as a consultant and working with advisors all over the country? I kind of knew I already was going to have that job even before I retired. And I thought, okay, I loved my job. I loved working with my kids. Um, But just the hassle of trying to do my job it, it took all the fun out of it and right. for me. And so I thought, okay, I can do this other thing and look forward to it. Did I think it was going to last 18 years? Absolutely not. I feel, I still feel like I'm the luckiest person in the world uh, because I still get to do the thing I love to do. And for the people listening uh, to the podcast who who don't know and aren't familiar, um, and number one thing, and I, I think you know this, Paul, I'm, I'm keeping the the podcast company independent. But many of the companies use a I'd call it a fairly similar model of having uh, advisors who have who have stepped away from the classroom working at camps and workshops or visits yes. in school one on one. And this work has sustained your enthusiasm or 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 been the the work of your enthusiasm and energy, like you mentioned, for 18 years, you've traveled the country from corner to corner working with staffs. Yeah. What what brings you the most joy in the work right now? Because I do know from knowing you the way that I do it, it can be very demanding and tiring, but I always see you with a smile on your face. So I know you're getting something out of it. Well, yeah. You know, seeing the light bulb go on in a kid's eye when they get it, mm-hmm. is still the biggest high for me. Yeah. Do you have, well, let's let's talk design for, for a minute. Um, when I've talked to advisors in, let's say the last couple of years, they'll say, you know, we always, we always look at your book for ideas. Um, talking about, let's say, Tesserae here at, at the uh-huh. high school now. And it's extremely flattering and it feels great. And I can tell my kids like, hey, you know, kids in Arizona are checking out Tesserae. And they're like, wow. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at other books for inspiration is certainly one source. But in the time that I've known you, you've always been a proponent of going out to the big leagues and the professional media. Can you help me unpack that a little bit and explain it to, to advisors who might be newer to this and have not made that leap to looking okay. at professional media? Absolutely. Uh, I, when you look at other yearbooks, it's already been done. Okay. And I think your book, meaning not everybody's book, understood, should be as fresh as it possibly can be. And so. I was lucky to have a background and I got further background. I, I started taking design classes again um, before I started uh, my graphic design program at Independence. Um, and, look, and they taught me to look at other professional designers for ideas 
And I quickly learned every designer, when they get a new job or looks for inspiration from other designers. Right. And that's just what I preach, you know, don't look at old yearbooks for ideas. They're great for coverage ideas and story ideas, but as far as design goes, go and get something fresh to inspire you. And and when we say design too, I'm going to bet that I know that you also mean the the verbal, the spiritual core of the yes. book. Oh my gosh, yes. You know, every time I see the, uh, this is us, I would think somebody's got to do that as a yearbook. Concept. Yeah, it's a slam dunk. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. What are uh, I heard what, that uh, Delta commercial up with Donald Sutherland? I said, "There's your book copy right there, right? <laughs> Opening copy." What kind of resources are you encouraging people to explore right now? Let's say for for visuals, um, and and I'm not sure if you're willing to go, uh, I don't know, on the record as it were. But if you were going to tell a, a new advisor who's looking for some design inspiration, um, go to Barnes and Noble and pick up you know these three or four magazines. Can you distill it down to a couple you know hot tips for somebody like that? That's kind of hard. Okay. Um, I, I still like um, New Beauty. Okay. Um, they've changed a little bit, and they're not quite as innovative with some of their stuff as they were a few years ago, but it's still one of the best resources for topography, I think, out okay. there. And there's just so much new stuff. I have this um, app called, I think, um, what is it? It's is a it magazine app. Is it Zinio, perhaps? No, no, it's not Zinio. Okay. It has an X, and I think, um, what is it called? I'm having a senior moment. No um, but it, it costs 9 or $7 a month, but it's every magazine. And I browse that all the time. If I had my iPad here, I... Yeah, I'm doing a little Google search in the background, but I'm not, I'm not seeing it. And when you say it's hard, is that because there's uh, just such a volume of, of high-quality yes. stuff out there? Yes. Okay. Um, I still think um, college brochures, even though uh, many of them are online now, mm -hmm are designed and marketed at this age group. And um, um, and I think that's a good, a good choice. And art schools or uh, private art schools are still doing catalogs and right. um, another great place to look for ideas. Absolutely. Um don't know if you feel comfortable answering this, but let's say the last, uh, give you a window of the last three years. Are there some books out there that really stood out to you? Um, it, it doesn't matter if they were on the awards circuit or anything, but but what are, what are you seeing that some staffs are doing in recent years, you know, innovating or really setting themselves apart that got you excited when you saw those books for the first time? 
well, I'm going to start right off with uh, your book from last year. Okay, so everybody that, listening is going to think that this was a plug, and that's not what well, I intended. It's a plug because I thought what your kids did with Photoshop in that book was amazing. That's a shout out to Tommy Lynch now at NYU. I'll tell him. (laughs) Was absolutely amazing. Uh, I thought Carrie Faust's book from last year Mm -hmm. was by far the most beautiful book in the country. It had a great uh, voice to it. A great story. It certainly did. And... um, and I'm always a fan of Charla Harris's books. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, she has 12 kids on staff. That's remarkable. There are only 800 kids at that school. And what they turn out year after year, not just her your book, but her uh, news magazine and her broadcast programs are just amazing. I, I truly think she, I, well, let's just put it this way. I don't know why she hasn't been the yearbook advisor of the year yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's involved in everything in Texas. and She's remarkably talented. Yes. Really is. So where we talked a little bit about where to find design, and, and certainly it is a, it's a pretty broad and deep pool um, magazine apps and ads of the world. There's all sorts mm-hmm. of resources there. What do you feel um, as we work towards wrapping this conversation up? What do you feel are a few a few things to watch in let's say the next the next year or two? What what do you think is going to be on trend or we're going to start seeing in a lot of books? Wow, that's hard to predict. Okay, um, for me it is. Um, I like some of the things I'm starting to see. Different methods of storytelling. I think Pete's book from last year. This is Pete LeBlanc at uh, Antelope High School. Yes, at Antelope. His book with, I, I don't think there were two pieces of main copy in that book that were alike at all. And I think that keeps the, I think, the reader intrigued and refreshed, not reading the same old block of, quote, transition copy. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, Dan Austin at CASA, his kids, uh, you know, with all the alternative coverage storytelling, is very effective and it absolutely meets the uh, the teenage audience right where it is yes yes it really does so i think that those are the things that are continually going to grow because i think they're going to i what it does for the reader right in general it's uh it's been fantastic talking to you, and um, I, I'm grateful to the kudos that I can share with my staff, but I want to share with you a, a personal note of thanks because you've been part of my journey for the last 14 years, and um, the, the mentoring relationship that I've enjoyed with you that has 
um, turned into a true friendship. I, I am so, so profoundly grateful. And I know that I can speak for hundreds, if not thousands of advisors who have benefited from your instruction and support at workshops and conventions. You uh, played a large part in helping me transform my program, as I know has happened in, in labs across the country. And um, I know that we're all very, very grateful to you, Paul. So thank you for that. It's a little thing called pay it forward. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Paul Ender. He is a, a tremendously generous uh, friend and mentor to so many of us in the yearbook world. If you've not yet had the pleasure of meeting him at a camp or workshop or convention, I suggest you do so as, as soon as you can. Friends, that's going to wrap up this episode of the Yearbook Wise podcast. You can look in your feed uh, soon in the next day or so for the conversation with 1996's other award winner, Nancy Hastings. And friends, that's going to do it for this episode of the Yearbook Wise podcast. You'll be able to listen to my next conversation with 1996's other winner, Nancy Hastings, in just a day or so. Look for that in your feed. I was lucky to run across a few podcast listeners at the National High School Journalism Convention, so it's great to know that you're out there. I appreciate all of the feedback and the constructive criticism, the suggestions for new episode topics. If you have some yourself, you can be in touch by reaching out to me at iteachyearbook at gmail.com. You can also tweet at, at yearbookwise, that's yearbook, W-H-Y-S, on Twitter. Be great to have you uh, find me there, find the podcast, and have you share it with yearbook advisor friends, yearbook reps at any of the companies, or perhaps even your own staff members if you think the topics that we've covered uh, would be good for them to, uh, to listen into. For now, we'll leave it there. It's time to get out to spring break. I uh, hope that uh, everyone's doing well. And uh, as we get into yearbook delivery season, I hope that you enjoy that experience of, of sharing and unboxing the, the creation that you worked on so hard with your staffs. Good luck with all of that. Be well. We'll talk soon. Mm-hmm.